safer safe. Intercourse. Condoms. Sexually transmitted infection. HIV. HIV. Sexual health. Treatment. Prevention. Sexual attraction. Sexually transmitted infection. Sexual health specialist. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the podcast. My name's Tom, and you're listening to the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast, where we talk about all things related to sexual health. Today is World Hepatitis Day. While there are several different types of hepatitis, this year the focus is primarily on viral hepatitis, hepatitis B and hepatitis C. One in three people living with chronic hepatitis B in Australia don't know that they have the virus because it can take many years for symptoms to develop. Many were born in countries overseas where hepatitis B is common. The good news is that effective treatments for hepatitis B are available. However, in this podcast, we're going to focus on hepatitis C. Excitingly, there is now a cure for hepatitis C. The treatment is effective in over 95% of people who take it. It is so effective that New South Wales Health has set a target of eliminating hepatitis C by 2028. The challenge now is to find people living with hepatitis C who might not be aware of their status. Encourage them to test and link them into care. To discuss these challenges, I'm joined by hepatitis nurse Diane Houchow, Scott, who underwent a liver transplant and is now hep C free thanks to the new cure. And finally, I'm joined by Nigel Carrington to tell us more about the dried blood spot testing project. First up is Diane. Welcome to the podcast, Diane. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, Could you tell us uh, what is hepatitis? Hepatitis um, simply is the inflammation of the liver. So hepa, relating to the liver, and um, titus or itis is the inflammation. I suppose in my world, I'm mainly concerned about hepatitis B and hepatitis C, bloodborne viruses. Uh, So when should people get tested for hepatitis C? That's a good question. Definitely hepatitis C should be tested for alongside HIV testing and hepatitis B. So if we're testing for those other bloodborne viruses, because of the nature, um, the way that transmission can occur, so remembering it's blood to blood, um, we should think about could hepatitis C be present as well. There are some um, uh, indicators that we look for. So, for example, there are certain risk factors that put people much more at risk of acquiring hepatitis C. Um, Injecting drug use, so whether it's current or ever in the past, we should be thinking about um, could this person, um, if they've ever injected, could they have hepatitis C? Strictly speaking, we don't consider hepatitis C a sexually transmitted infection. However, um, if you think about um, some of the um, risks, anything that can lead to, you know, some blood being present, doesn't really matter how minuscule it is. So sometimes that's around um, the riskier sex practices um, with sex toys, rough sex, kink sex. Um, there's a risk there. We, anyone that has um, been um, in a custodial setting is at risk of hepatitis C, Aboriginal people. So um, it, we have 
you know, this sort of um, target population that we're really trying to um, make sure that they are aware of the risks and ensure that they have been tested at least once. Um, but sometimes for some people, there'll be ongoing risks. So even though they may not have hepatitis C at the time they were tested 18 months ago, sometimes there's been a risk in intervening times, maybe a new tattoo done by a friend in the, in the house without the you know, sterile um, equipment. That's an indicator we should test again for hepatitis C. And um, I guess there's a, there's a lot of focus on hepatitis C at the moment uh, because of the new, the new cure, which is very exciting. Um, can you tell us more about that? Yes, up until um, 2000, March 2016, um, we had something called interferon and ribavirin. That was the mainstay of treatment. Um, it wasn't very effective for a lot of people and it came with very serious side effects. In fact, as a nurse working in the area, that's all we did really was help manage the side effects for people, a bit like chemotherapy nurses do. Fast forward to 2016 and we have um, direct acting antiviral therapies, which um, even now they're a little bit different to what we had back um, in 2016, but essentially we've, we've got um, one or three tablets once a day for either eight or 12 weeks. Um, around about 97, 98% success rate, um, whereas the old interferon treatment took six to 12 months of treatment, uh, managing those side effects, and then for some people, they only had about a 45% chance of being cured. So I imagine a lot of people wouldn't stick with it that long? That's right. It, um, even today, there's um, the memory of, of those medications are still out there and circulating, and we're trying to... Um, provide people with information um, that we're done with that medication, the new medication, you can be cured very quickly um, with few, if any, side effects. And in fact, I think only around 10% of people experience side effects such as mild headache, for example, and nausea. Um, in the clinical trials, um, and the same people on placebo arms reported the same side effects. So it's a very sort of vague and easily managed. Yeah, fantastic. So that's great news to share. So this podcast is going out at, uh, during Hepatitis Awareness Week. Uh, what is it this week and, and why do we have it? So um, we have uh, World Hepatitis Day, uh, which is actually the 28th of July. Um, and it's actually only one of nine days um, that the World Health Organization member states have mandated um, as an official global public health day. So actually it's quite something um, that to, to have this recognised. In Australia, this day is really coordinated by Hepatitis Australia. Um, it's rolled out across the country and supported by member organisations such as in New South Wales, Hepatitis New South Wales. Uh, we do a lot of work with them. Um, and this year, um, the Hepatitis New South Wales theme is Let's Talk Hep for 2020. Um, so we're seeking to engage the public um, and promote dialogue um, about hepatitis.
Of the 27,000 people who have been treated for hepatitis C in New South Wales, many were already known to services. Now that this warehouse of people awaiting treatment has been cleared, the challenge remains to try to find people living in the community who may not be aware of their hepatitis C status. Well, I think it's a challenging role. Um, Where we find us now, four years or so after the listing of the new medications, we treated a lot of people very, very quickly. Um, I know at St Vincent's we initiated over 600 people in the first nine months. Those were people that were waiting to be treated, so they were really engaged in in their um, healthcare. So now the challenge is to find the people that um, maybe don't even know they have hepatitis C, or they've been tested in the past but somehow have slipped through. So I enjoy the, the challenge of linking people to care and that that could be as simple as liaising with another service um, with the consumer's um, permission Um, but actually getting them them to a place where they can be treated for the hepatitis C in a space that they're comfortable with so not necessarily a tertiary centre but it could be Kirkton Road Centre or Sydney Sexual Health Centre Have you been doing any outreach sort of testing as well? Yes, so the outreach that I've been doing um, has taken me to, um, particularly to homeless health services such as Foster House, the Haymarket Centre, I've been down at Osnham House, Matthew Talbot. So reaching um, people that might not have their health as a main priority for them at a given time, that, that, you know, they're maybe struggling with finding a place to live or other other situations. But we can bring the testing to them um, and then we'll just take it from there. So what still needs to be done if New South Wales is to eliminate hepatitis C as a public health concern by 2028? Sure. So the World Health Organisation does have a goal um, to eliminate hepatitis C by 2030 in New South Wales. Um, Our goal is to eliminate hepatitis C by 2028, so we haven't got a lot of time, another seven and a half years. So we have to reach the people either that don't know they have the virus or have the virus but haven't yet been treated. So um, among my peers and, and the bosses and New South Wales Health and everyone in between, Everybody is doing their best to think of new strategies to reach these hard-to-find people. Great, so I guess it's test, test, test at the moment. It is, yes. I wanted to find out what it was like being on the new treatments. Scott was kind enough to share his story with me. He lives up on the mid-north coast, so we caught up over the phone. Yes, here we go. Hang on. Can you hear me now, Tom? Uh, yep, yep, I can hear you. Can you hear me? No, I certainly can. How are you? Cool. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast today to speak about your experience with the new hepatitis C treatments. Uh, Scott, can you tell me a bit about yourself? Um, I live on the mid-north coast. I'm 48 years of age. Um, two and a half years ago, I had a liver transplant also, I was diagnosed back in 2016 with hepatitis C. Um, 
Now I am hepatitis free. Also, I have had a liver transplant and I am living a normal life. As you mentioned there, uh, you went, you underwent a liver transplant operation. Uh, so I imagine that must have been a really difficult time for you. Uh, could you share with us uh, what that was like? Found out in one day of my life that you've got hepatitis C, plus you've got liver cirrhosis, plus you've got end-stage liver disease, you know. So it was, it was like, bang, and all of a matter of 12 months, this is happening, this is happening to your life. Lost a job, high-paid job, you know, the whole whole thing. Lost a job, lost friends. Um, a doctor can only tell you so much, you know what I mean? But they haven't lived it. They have, they they know the the clinical side of hepatitis C, the treatment, mm. the transplants, but they do not know the inner self of what you're going through. You know, it's it's like the word hepatitis. What did you do? First question people ask you, well, how did you get it? You know, it doesn't matter how we got it. Let's deal with it. Yeah. Well, as you said, uh, you tried out those new direct-acting uh, antiretroviral hep C cure? Well, I've actually, I've, I've finished the treatment. Um, I was only on a three-month treatment. I Basically what it was, after... Six weeks after I had my transplant, my, um, my actually the transplant team put me on the treatment again. Um, the, the liver that I had still was, had hepatitis C. I still had hepatitis C. Um, so like I said, that when I went on the treatment six weeks after, um, yeah, I was cured. Three months, there was, yeah, there was non-detected and I had three tests uh, within a certain period of time and it come up non-detected, non-detected, non-detected. So now I live a hip-free life. What is life like for you now that you've been cured? Well, I can't believe how much energy um, I have, like, and, and I didn't even know I had hepatitis C in my body, so I've been told I had it in for 25 years, so I didn't really know I had it. I, I just had blood tests, but the, the normal blood test I had, there was no screening for hepatitis C, um, and I just kept on living life, and, and I'm thinking, hang on, how come I just put it down to the life that I lived of working and just general living. I'm tired. I'm tired all the time. And <laughs> and that was, yeah, I just, it was, yeah, it was very difficult. And I didn't even notice it. That was a part of it, yeah. And you had support from Hepatitis New South Wales as well? That's, yeah, that's correct, yes. I I sort of like, when I found out I had it, I, I, it was all these questions, why, how, um, and basically, you know, being my own worst enemy, just just all, just trying to relate why and how, and and luckily, um, someone put me onto hepatitis New South Wales, and um, it was great. I had a peer support worker for a, a very long time, and and he he also had um, he had a liver transplant, and he also had hepatitis C. 
so it was, it was a big part. That that part really helped me quite a bit. Uh, this is Hepatitis uh, Hepatitis Awareness Week, and we're promoting Hep C testing and treatment. Yeah. Uh, so, what would you say to people who might be worried about getting a Hep C test? Oh well, just just go for it. Just <laughs> even. Now with the um, the DPS, the dry blood um, spot test, you actually don't even have to go to your local GP. You can get it posted to your actual house, and you can do it yourself and get it sent away. Um, you know, because the normal blood test, there was there was no screening for Hep C. It doesn't hepatitis C antiviral test is a completely different. Um, test to a normal blood test so and now with this DPS um, it's a great idea you know I, I, I encourage anyone to, to get you know tested for it 100% and and do you think if DPS was available at the time it's something that you would have uh, given a go or, or, or do you think that um, it wouldn't have even crossed your mind well no not really. It wouldn't have crossed my mind. No, not not at all. Like I, I was just a, a general person that lived in so much uh, a perfect world. You know, I was working, blah blah blah. You know, it's no, definitely not myself. And no matter what sort of case you're in, whatever lifestyle you live, you know, get tested. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic, and and I'll be talking on the podcast to uh, Nigel Carrington as well, who runs the DBS. So uh, we'll find out a bit more about that in a moment as well. I can tell you more and more. No, it, and, and like I said, it's fact. It's fact. It really is. It's coming from and the it's coming from the heart. You know what I mean? It's I've experienced and I'm a living proof <laughs> that positivity and going out there and seeking help from people that have been through it actually does work. You know what I mean? It really works. And finally, I'm joined by Nigel Carrington to talk about the dried blood spot testing program. Welcome to the podcast, Nigel. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and what led you to want to do the work that you do? Uh, well, I worked in uh, HIV AIDS about 20 years ago, actually, for the AIDS Council of New South Wales, which is what it was called then. Um, and I really uh, enjoyed that work and was very passionate about doing it. And then I actually moved to WA uh, and uh, I ended up working in community health for quite a number of years um, and had an opportunity to come back to New South Wales. And uh, I've worked here um, in uh, youth cancer and also in youth health. And then uh, this opportunity came up to work again in the um, HIV, hepatitis C sector, and I was really pleased to be able to take up that opportunity. What is dried blood spot testing and how does it work? The dried blood spot test is uh, an, an innovative program which is about trying to make um, testing for HIV and hepatitis C available to people who may uh, test infrequently or might have barriers to testing. So. There are some uh, of our priority populations who, uh, for a range of reasons, uh, find it difficult or have had bad experiences trying to access health in traditional ways through GPs or primary healthcare settings. Um, some of some priority populations experience discrimination sometimes in those settings. 
and this is providing an option where people can uh, do a sample, um, take a sample in their own comfort of their own home and be able to send that in. They, they uh, register on a website and they're able to get a test result in a much more private way. And can anybody who wants to get a test do one? Uh, well, it's a targeted program, so um, where uh, the HIV testing is concerned, it's um, particularly targeting people who are men who have sex with men or people with a transgender history and also people from high prevalence um, countries. And similarly for hepatitis C, it's particularly targeting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, uh, people who have uh, ever injected drugs and uh, also those who may be currently or have ever been um, incarcerated or in prison. People who do elect to do the uh, hepatitis C test as part of the DBS program can also opt in to do a HIV test. So it's a simple finger prick test. So people use a small, we send out a kit that, that contains a small lancet and a sample card. People do a simple finger prick test, uh, drop some blood onto a card and let it dry for a minimum of four hours. And then they package that up and send it through the post. And they can get their results um, either through a text message if it's a negative result or they'll get a phone call from a nurse or a service provider if they have a reactive result. Great. And they'll link them into further care? Yeah, and then they can get linked straight into further care. So um, because it's still uh, an unapproved test, it's not approved yet by the the TGA, then um, people are still required, if they have a, a reactive test, to have a confirmatory venous test to properly confirm. And is DBS a safe testing option in the age of COVID-19 and social distancing? Well, that's a really good question. I think it's it's a really good option because, um, again, it doesn't require you having to go into a GP or into a clinic. Um, it could be done at home. But even those uh, services, like I just mentioned, um, they can still assist somebody to do a test by simply asking some COVID-19 screening questions um, the test itself only takes about, you know, under 15 minutes to perform. So a healthcare worker or a peer could assist someone to do a test. Um, and the the questions, the survey questions that need to be asked can be done um, at a distance on paper or at another time. So how well has DBS been taken up by people so far? Uh, we found it to be a pretty successful program. So over the uh, the last um, couple of years that we've been running the program from since um, two thousand late two thousand sixteen, uh, we've had over seven thousand people register for a test, and of those, far over five thousand eight hundred have gone on to actually test. So that's um, like at least around about eighty two percent, which is a really good return rate of people um, taking up the test. Uh, we also know that of those, around about um, 600 or so have come back with a um, detection for or a reactive test to hepatitis C and, and around about 10 for HIV. So we've really been able to pick up um, good numbers, particularly in hepatitis C, and those people go on to get treatment and care. The other thing we know as well is that we're reaching, we're particularly trying to reach people who are infrequent testers and uh, those, you know, people that I mentioned experience barriers to testing. And uh, when we look at our numbers, we also see that a really good proportion of people have uh, not tested ever before or have um, tested more than 12 months ago. So it's really a program that's reaching 
what you might think of as the high-hanging fruit of people who, who are um, maybe a bit reluctant to test or experience barriers to testing. So, so DBS sounds like a really great program. Uh, who has put it together? So DBS is a really important partnership between the New South Wales Ministry of Health, who were the sponsor of the program and had funded the program, uh, St Vincent's Hospital and their, uh, particularly the HIV Reference Laboratory, which does all the testing and, and generation of the results. Sexual Health Infolink, which is the service that um, provides the nurses who support delivering results to, to the clients, and Sydney Sexual Health Centre. This has been the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast for World Hepatitis Day. To stay up to date with the latest information around sexual health, follow Sydney Sexual Health Centre on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. If you like the podcast, please share and subscribe.